Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. Oh, we can do better than that. I mean, I almost had to pull out my fitness pal app and put in worship as an exercise. That's, it's all right. No OSHAs in here. We have limited insurance. I'm just kidding. Right. So, um, man, tell you what, I, um, I, I didn't grow up looking at a lot of Disney movies. That's just didn't, um, that's that not what happened in my house. You watch what the grown folks wanted to watch. You didn't get the choices of, we didn't just go see the movies that you wanted to go see. But one of them that I did get to see was the movie Lion King. Yeah, and, and, and in that movie, I love when the hyenas, right? When they were in, they was like, uh, the, the part where they was like, uh, say his name again, Mufasa. <laughs> right? And, and, and say it again, right? And, and, and do you ever, when we were singing that song, some of y'all got some issues going on in your world right now, in your life right now, that you just need to speak Jesus into it and see the demon shudder. The enemy shudders at the name of Jesus. Sometimes we say it flippantly, not realizing the power and the strength that comes in being associated, being a part of, being brothers and sisters with the God of the universe, but that's exactly what we are. And maybe there's something that you need to just speak Jesus into right now in your life, a situation going on, a conversation you need to have, a relationship that's broken. You just need to speak Jesus into it and, and remember the promises and the power that he's given us through his word and his relationship. I wish somebody was with me. Man. I um coming off of yesterday where we had this incredible time, this back to school bash. We had over 400 people in the building, over another 100 volunteers. People were able to come and get school supplies and um, discount haircuts and discount physicals, all these kind of things of that nature. And, um, you know, somebody came up to me and they said, hey, uh, man, we got a person here. They, they, they want to come tomorrow. They've been invited, but they worry about what to wear. And I said, well, let me explain to you what I wear on Sundays. <laughs> and, and just being honest with you, here's the deal. Um, in the months that we were starting up, uh, some of y'all guys know that I was flying back and forth to Texas all the time. Um, my family was still in Texas. We were still working um, to try to get them here. And then when we got here, man, things were hectic. Things have still been hectic. And so I don't get to the barbershop as much as I would like. And so you probably wonder, why is Jonathan wear a hat so much on Sundays when he preaches? Because my hair was looking ashamed. And so I was like, man, I got to just throw a hat on. So I'm going to tell you something. If you come across somebody who's worried about um, their clothes or worried about their hair or whatever, tell them, Pastor Jonathan, say, put on a hat and come on. <laughs> Don't let that stop you. We got a T-shirt for you. We'll give you. We got some. You just come on. So we're happy that you're here this morning. If this is your first time being our guest at Fellowship High Crest, we want to let you know that the blue Bibles that are in our seats, what you'll see, you'll see some page numbers on the screen that will correlate um, to those, those page numbers in the Bible normally. Normally. But this series that we're doing is a little bit different. And because we're going through so many uh, scriptures during um, the sermon, uh, we're going to actually put more scriptures on the screen than we normally do. But we want you to know those Bibles are still our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible, if you don't have one that's easy to read, we want you to take that one as our gift to you. 
if you have a friend or a family member or a co-worker or someone that doesn't have a Bible that's easy to read or one of their own, please take that one and give it to them as a gift from the both of us. And so um, this is the fourth week of our series called DTR. Or if you don't, you're not familiar with the phrase, it means defining the relationship. And I want to start off by, by kind of covering where we've been over these previous three weeks, because what we're going into today, like Lindsay said, is a sensitive thing. And so I want to make sure that we're all on the same page with where we're going as we start off today. I want to make sure we're all caught up. So if you missed the previous three weeks or one of the uh, previous three weeks, you can still go listen to the messages on our app. Um, and that's FBC Mobile. And so you can get that in the reading plan that's in your seats. All that's on the app. But let me catch you up real quick. Let me give you the Cliff Notes. Anybody else a Cliff Note fan? Come on now. All the righteous. Raise your hand. There you go. There you go. Why read the whole book when you get the Cliff Notes? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yes. All right. That audible book, boy, I tell you what. All right. Let me get going. Let me get going. All right. The past three weeks, we spent two weeks defining what the church is, right? This whole series is around defining what the church is and, and what the Christian is and what is their relationship to each other and how should they do life with each other, with God and each other based on what the church is. And so we spent two weeks defining what the church is, and we said it was going to take a couple of weeks to do that. And so I know some of you who've been here every week are tired of seeing this thing, but you're going to keep on saying it because the hope is you get to the point of being able to say it before I do. So... Here at Fellowship Highcrest, when we define church, we like to use this diagram that you see behind me. And we do that because language matters. Language creates culture and culture trumps strategy every day of the week. And so when we say church, we mean a group of people whose lives center around two things, gospel and community. Gospel is always the content and community is always the context. With this being the case, we say a church is not a building. It's not a service, it's not an event, but it's a group of people, those who believe in Jesus Christ as both their Lord and Savior. And that's important. Jesus is not just our Savior, but he's also our Lord. Therefore, on Sunday mornings, we like to call what we do here more the the gathering than um, church. Because on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights is when Fellowship uh, Highcrest as a church gathers And throughout the rest of the week is when it scatters. Now, both parts of the church are important, and here's why. The reason why both parts of that diagram is important is because it is. The only power we have to change comes from the Holy Spirit using the Word of God in the context of the community of God. That means if you want to grow to be more like Christ in any area of your life, it's only going to happen by the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit using the scriptures in the context of the local church. That's how we're going to see change to become more Christ-like in our lives. Now, the first part, gospel, has two parts. The first part is called uh, the word or the gospel in the air. The gospel in the air is all of our theology. It's, it's, It's what we think about who God is, what he's done for us, and our relationship to others as a result of what he's done for us. The gospel on the ground is what we call mission. Mission is not a trip that we go on, but it's all of life. It's how we live in light of what we believe. What you do when you leave out of here is the mission trip that you're on. 
what you do on Monday mornings at your job or at your school or a part of your sports team, that is the mission that you're on. That's your mission field. Your neighborhood, your neighbors around you, that's your mission field. We should be living just like we were living overseas, over saltwater somewhere, and God has sent us to go reach people that didn't know him. But we should be living like that in our homes every day, on our jobs every day, at the grocery store every day, in every restaurant we go to. We are on mission. This past uh, Tuesday, um, on Fifth Tuesdays, we do something different as a staff. We go and we do something fun together instead of our normal staff meeting. We got to go down to the pennant, and we had lunch and played games. And during that time, I was able um, just I started off by asking the waitresses, hey, do you have anything that we, I can pray for for you before I leave? And they were like, yeah, I, I got some prayer requests. And through that, you know, through that, I was able to share the gospel with our two waitresses. Now, one of them is here this morning. I want you to I want you to I want you to understand something. We're not just talking this stuff. There is power in the name of Jesus. And if we as his people would recognize that and would move into it and believe it, what would happen? (laughs) Gospel and community. And when we talk about community, there are these seven rooted rhythms that we want you to practice with a small group of people here at High Crest. And we say that if you're doing these with a small group of people here at High Crest, then that's what it means to be in community. And so here's what they are. The first one is daily devotions. We want you to connect with God, and we use this thing called REAP. It's a method of reading the scripture that stands for read, examine, apply, pray, and we teach you more about that as you go through rooted. The next one is prayer. We want to create a culture of prayer, and we use the acronym to, to praise, repent, ask, and yield. And you learn more about that as you go through rooted also. The next one is freedom from strongholds. We want you to know your enemy. You know, I've been reading these different things and learning more about me so that I can know who God is better. And it's been eye-opening. We do that in the context of our LTGs, the Life Transformation Groups. You get hooked up with an LTG through Rooted. The next one is uh, serving the community. We want people to connect with God, connect with God's people, and connect and fulfill their purpose in life. That's why we do things like the back-to-school bash. The next one is sacrificial generosity. It's about heart. Giving is never about your, your wallet or your calendar. It's really about where your heart is. And we're going to teach more on that later this fall and really dig into that. And I'm excited. I'm excited about that. Not only am I going to get to speak as a part of that, but, but also Jeremy and Ryan are going to speak as a part of that sermon series. So I'm excited about that. And then um, we want you to know how to share your story. Everybody has a story, and that story connects and is a part of God's big story. Through Rooted, you begin to learn how to share your story and how to connect other people's story to the big story, God's story. And then the last one is celebration. What we do here on Sunday morning is a celebration of what God has done in the week before and what he's going to do going forward into the week ahead of us. On Wednesday night is a midweek celebration stop to remind us when things get hard, he is still God and he is still there. So 
Now, looking at what the church is, is only, uh, only took us two of the last three weeks. We also spent the first week viewing and learning from examples of the early church in the New Testament. And here's some things that we learned about the early church as Jeremy talked that first week of this series. The first one is we learned that it's biblical. We learned that it's biblical. Jesus established the local church and the apostles did their ministry through it. The Christian life in the New Testament was the church life. So Christians today should expect and do the same. It's biblical. Christians function through the local church in the New Testament. Next, we learned that the church is its members. To be a church is to be one of its members. Next is, is how the Christian declares their highest allegiance. Church membership is a public testimony that your highest allegiance belongs to Jesus. Next is how we express and experience the biblical metaphors for the church. Um, if, you didn't, if you weren't here last week to catch that, go out and catch that message where I gave a lot of the different metaphors used for the church in, in the scriptures and explain those. Go out and catch that message on our app or on our website. The next one is, is how you serve other Christians. Membership helps you know which Christians on planet Earth you are uh, specifically responsible to love, serve, warn, and encourage. So here's the deal. We are never given charge to hold unbelievers accountable. We are given charge to hold our brothers and sisters of Christ accountable. I have a specific responsibility to Tricia, Claudette, Tobias, and Silas that I don't have to the rest of you. But I also have a specific responsibility to you that I don't have to those that are outside of you. Being a member of the church helps you understand that. It's, it's how you serve other Christians. Membership lets you know those. And then it's how you follow Christian leaders. Membership helps you know um, which Christian leaders on planet Earth you are called to obey and follow. Man, I listen to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of books and stuff, but those people are not my pastor. Joe Hishma is my pastor. The elders of FBC are my elders and my leaders. I am specifically responsible to them here on planet Earth. I submit to their leadership. They are my pastors. It helps Christian leaders lead, right? Membership lets Christian leaders know which Christians on planet Earth they will give account for. It enables church discipline. It gives you the biblically prescribed place to participate in the work of church discipline responsibly, wisely, and lovingly. We mentioned through this series and showed through Scripture that when a church ceases to want to hold one another accountable, it ceases to be a church because that's one of the things that Jesus has called it to. to uh, next, it, it gives you structure for your Christian life. It is God's discipling program. Let me, let me, let me, the church, the local church is God's discipling program. A lot of times I get people who don't want to be a part of the church that want me to spend time discipling them. It doesn't work like that. The church is God's discipling program. And then lastly, but not least, it builds a witness and invites the nature, uh, nations. It is God's evangelism program. The scriptures speak of how collectively the church will be a witness of who God is in community. Not, not us solo, the church together will be a witness for him and reach the nations. 
So all that is good, and we've talked about uh, what the church is and, 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 and why we should be a part of it, but we've said nothing about who gets to be a part of the church. So let me ask the question, what are the qualifications to be a part of the church? Who gets in? Um, what are the qualifications for membership or, in our case, partnership? Before I address those, let me say this. Some people think uh, and dismiss church membership because they think it means making people jump through hoops or controlling someone's life or it means creating a class system. That is not what church membership is about. Christianity is about grace, not standard behaviors before letting people in. It's about controlling. It's not about controlling your life or making you jump through hoops or creating a class system. We're simply laying out how the path looks and and, and we're walking beside you in that. That's what we're wanting to do. So let's start here. The first point is we start when you do. We start when you do. So Matthew 13 or 16, 13 through 19 says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, son of John, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. That's God's word. Church membership begins when a local church affirms an individual Christian's profession of faith. As a part of the Fellowship High Crest Partnership process, we'll ask people to do or be a part of um, several different things. Now, I'm going to tell you what those are, and I'm going to spend the rest of my time this morning explaining those things. Um, But please hear what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying. And I'm taking time to, to introduce this for a reason. I want you to hear the heart behind what we're saying. We're not saying... This is how we tell who a Christian is. So we're not saying that if you're not a part of Fellowship High Crest, that you're not a Christian. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that this is how we tell who's a good Christian. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that if you choose not to do or be a part of these things, that we'll call you a bad Christian. We won't do that. We're not saying that if you're not ready to do or be a part of these things, that you're not welcome to attend here. That's not what we're saying. We are saying that we would not identify you as one of us if you're not willing to do these things. We are saying that the following is how we are defining what it means to be a partner or a core member of Fellowship High Crest. And and because of that, there are some things that those who are willing to do or be a part of these things that they will be allowed to do that others won't. And I'm going to explain that also. We are saying that that those who do and are part of these things are whom I will view as having direct responsibility and oversight and pastoral responsibilities for. That means that that I don't necessarily see myself as the pastor for everyone who walks through those doors. And so. And here's why. 
When we look at the scriptures in the New Testament, when Jesus approached the apostles, what he did is he went up to them and he called them into a discipleship relationship. He called them into a discipleship relationship. And they had two options when Jesus called to either follow or flee. There was no middle ground. There was follow or flee. And in following, they submitted themselves to his leadership. They submitted to be pastored by Jesus. If at any point they decided that they no longer wanted to follow the leadership of Jesus, it would have ended a discipleship relationship. That's why several times throughout the Gospels, you see where Jesus is kind of saying, are y'all still with me? Do you no longer want to be a part of this, uh, this relationship? Or are you good? Right. He kept asking them those questions. Now, here's the deal. At my previous church that I started in Planet, I didn't use rooted or small groups. But as a part of me coming here and submitting to the leadership of FBC and Joe as my pastor, right, I said this. I recognize you as a faithful, this gospel-declaring church, and I submit my presence and my discipleship to your love and oversight. And therefore, High Crest will use rooted and small groups as its vehicles for discipleship as a show of me submitting to your leadership. Discipleship relationships are something that you're called into. Pastoring is something that you submit to. So here's how we describe partnership at Fellowship High Crest. Number one, you stepped over the line of faith. And I'm going to come back and explain all these. Um, Number two, you've had a believer's water baptism. Number three. You've attended Starting Point at High Crest. Number four, you've completed Rooted at High Crest. Number five, you are a member of a High Crest small group. Number six, you serve as a part of a High Crest ministry team. Number seven, you give. Now, let me, let me, please notice I didn't say how much you give, so don't get hung up on that. We do not monitor how much you give, but we do know that the scriptures teach in the New Testament that those who follow Christ are supposed to be sacrificial givers. We believe that it's between you and God to work out what that means for you to sacrificially give. That's between you and God. We're going to teach what the scriptures teach. And then we're going to let it hang there. So whatever that looks like for you to sacrificially give, that's what you should do. Because that's what the scriptures teach. And then number eight, above all the other things that we're asking our leaders, in addition to these above things, to have led a rooted group. And here's why. This demonstrates the ability to lead a small group of people before you put you over a large group of people. And it demonstrates a heart for discipleship since rooted and small groups our, our Fellowship High Crest's discipleship vehicles, we want you to use those to disciple people here at the High Crest campus. And so we want our leaders to be discipling people here at the High Crest campus. So these things have a couple of purposes. The first is to make sure that people understand and believe the gospel. We're not saying that we're trying to uh, make you into theology professors. That's not what we're saying at all. We're saying that people need to be able to say who they represent and why before we officially call them representatives. 
Another reason these things are important is that we need functioning partners. Consistently, we have defined church as gospel and community. In order to fulfill that community part of church, one would need to practice the seven rooted rhythms with a small group of people here at the High Crest campus. All of Fellowship High Crest small groups will be birthed through Rooted. Right? We, don't, we haven't launched Rooted yet and haven't gone through it yet. Therefore, we have no small groups yet. And therefore, in order to be a part of Fellowship High Crest, one must be in a small group. And in order to be in a small group, you have to go through Rooted. And is, that is where we sit. What is another reason that, that um, sir, like parts of this, like serving as a part of a high Christian ministry team, is so important? Well, here's why. Being a Christian is a position and not a title. You play the part of representing Christ. Like, for instance, today I, I have on our mountain shirt. Mountain is our children's ministry here. They say that every spiritually healthy kid teen has about three to seven spiritually healthy adults speaking into their lives. Our children's ministry could use some more people that care about um, this current generation, not the next generation, this current generation to come and be a part of that and walk beside our kids. Will our kids go lacking in the most important areas of their lives or will we be there to support and walk beside them? Those are some of the reasons why this is important. What does Christ do? He obeys the Father and thus is a part of reconciling all of creation back to him. We as Christians should do the same, and we want to make sure that you understand that. So us calling you into serving is because we truly want you to understand what Christ is calling us into as we follow him. Once again, hear what we're saying and not what we're not saying. If you don't agree with the vision, that doesn't mean that you are not a Christian. If you don't agree with the vision, that doesn't mean that you're not a good Christian and, and shouldn't be allowed to lead anywhere. It does mean that we won't let you lead here. Think about it. Is there an organization or a group that you know that would let someone lead a part of their organization without agreeing to the vision? So why would the church do that? What does it mean? What it means is this, is that you should find a place where you can be on the same page with leadership. And here's why. If you're at a place where, where you're not on the same page with where leadership is leading and, and steering the body, you'll find that, that you'll create a lot of unneeded strife and conflict within the body. And, and, and that causes church leadership as well as the rest of the body um, to be distracted from pouring all their effort, all their, all their resources, all their mind and soul and strength into making disciples in the way that God has fashioned it. Also, you'll find that your entire discipleship experience will be better when you submit to leadership whom you can trust the direction in which they're leading. It's so important to be on board with where you're at and the leadership there. Now, what else should we know before we affirm? The next one is we, we start at the same place. The Apostle John wrote this. He wrote, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God for there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body and that person has the spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. 
John warns the church that there were going to be some people that came along and say, yep, we're, we're all just like you. But he said, you need to pump the brakes first and test them out a little bit. I can tell you that this is very wise. And here's why. You know, early on as we were getting ready to launch Fellowship High Crest and uh, in these early months after launch, you know, we, anybody who wanted to help, we said, come on. And then quickly, both through the launch team meetings and through these early months of launching, we found out that, man, we were not on the same page that we thought we were. We found out we were not on the same page. We didn't have the same ending vision or strategy in mind. And then, and, and so what this leads to is vision drift and unnecessary conflict and disillusionment and, and derailment. Identifying ourselves with someone who is not sold in on the vision is a mistake because although we thought we believed the same thing and were on the same page, we wasn't. Now, there is grace on some things, but on major issues, the church needs to make sure that those um, that they affirm are on the same page and heading in the same direction. That means theologically and in vision. So that means accepting the church's statement of faith. You can go out to our website and look at what we believe. That's another reason why starting point is so um, important. We also need to make sure that our leadership and our volunteer leaders and staff are all on the same page with the same vision. As a part of the process to become a partner of Fellowship High Crest, it includes you going to starting point. And at starting point, we go over the history, the mission, the vision, and the values um, of, and how we're structured here before you say I do. We want you to know what you're agreeing to before you say I do. We think that is really important. We don't want it to be like that gym membership that you signed up for and they say, make sure you read the fine print and then you didn't read the fine print. And then you got upset about something later on because it was in the fine print and you didn't read it. We want to be clear about those things early on and up front. Once again, the, the purpose in all this is not raising up pastors and not raising up college theologians, ecclesiastical theologians, but in affirming Christians. Jesus said this in Matthew 18, 4 through 5. He said, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf, is welcoming me. Affirming a statement of faith shows someone who is willing to humble themselves before God. Another show of that is when someone explains the gospel to you like this. I'm a rotten sinner. God deserves to judge me. But because Jesus Christ died for my sins, I have a relationship with God. And now he is my Savior and my Lord, and I'm going to follow him. That's what that means. It also is a show of humility when we're able to submit to leadership. So we want to make sure they understand the gospel. We want to make sure they believe um, the same thing on core issues. We want to make sure that we're all rowing in the same direction. Is there anything else? Here's my third point. We take the same side. In Jesus' first sermon after being baptized, he told the crowds this. He says, the time promised by God has come at last. And he announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Here's what repentance is. Repentance is siding with God against ourselves. Repentance is siding with God against ourselves. 
Both faith and church membership begin with people who are willing to side with God against themselves. When looking for those who are truly repentant, uh, one might use the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 and might read it to be something like this. Look for those, uh, for the ones who are poor in spirit, who mourn their sin, who aren't entitled and always want things their way, but are meek, who are sick to death of sin and all this nonsense, and so hunger and thirst for the righteousness um, like it's water. When you find people like that, make sure they know who Jesus is and make sure Jesus is the one who feels their needed spirit, who who has forgiven their sins, who receives their life and worship and whose righteousness they depend upon and pursue. When you find people like that, tell them to join. Notice that it's not the person who is his morally perfect, but it's the person who understands that they're not perfect, that qualifies for church membership. It's their recognition and lack of moral perfection coupled with a hunger for it. It's not the people who never sin. It's the people who fight against sin. A church's work is to affirm not the righteous, but the unrighteous who thirst for the righteousness that only God can give and side with God against themselves. If you're here this morning and you have saddled yourself, when you, when you read Scripture and you just want to close it up or you hear a sermon and you just want to shut down, I want you to hear something, right? Don't buy into the shame and guilt thing. You can't do it. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's why all this is so important. This is not something that you can do. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that this is done, that, that transformation is that it is brought about. So understanding of the gospel, good doctrine, agreement with vision, a repented heart, anything else. And here's the last thing. We wave the flag. We wave the flag. At Pentecost, after Peter completed delivering the spirit-filled message to the crowds, um, he asked, and they asked, what must we do to be saved? The first command the early church ever received was this. It says, Peter replied, each of you, must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is the first command that a Christian gets. And it's the easiest command that a Christian gets. It all gets harder from there. He simply asks us to get wet for him. That's all he asks. Here on every third weekend of the month, we have baptisms. If that is your next step, you can, you can mark it on your card. You can sign up. You can tell the people out at the welcome station, and we'll get you in, and we want to talk you through that so that you can take that. But here's the deal. If you can't get wet for Jesus, then the likelihood that you'll be able to represent Jesus in your everyday life is very slim to none. It's important. Baptism doesn't save you, but in Scriptures, we see that those who were saved by Jesus were baptized. It's something that we see in the scriptures. Now, having requirements for church membership isn't about weeding out the jerks. It's not about making people pastors. It's about affirming uh, representatives of Christ. It's about uh, looking for people who are ready to represent Christ. It, that means being able to affirm who Jesus is and what he's done for you. It means submitting to godly leadership that God has placed over you, over that particular body. It means being willing to study, learn, and affirm the promises of his word that is found in the scriptures. It means submitting to God by submitting to the word through repentance. 
It means waving no flag higher or prouder than the one that identifies you with Christ. Is today your affirmation day? Is today the day that you stop trusting in yourself and begin trusting in Christ? Is today the day you side with God against yourself? It's the day today you pick up your cross and follow him because as Christians, our flag is our cross. If you're not ready to sacrifice for him, then you're not waving the flag. Baptism symbolizes the death of the old self and the birth of the new. After baptism, we are called to remember the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross and to be willing to die daily. If you are a believer who has gone public, Ask yourself, are you carrying your cross? Are you carrying your cross? Are you waving your flag? And also understand this. We know that a lot of you may have a lot of questions about a lot of things that we talked about today. And here's what I'm learning about myself. Because of my personality type, I'm a a perfectionist. And with that comes um, pride. And pride is one of these things called a shame shield. And, and men, when they feel shamed or guilted, they react two different ways. They either stare into the light, they zone out, alienate themselves, or they get angry. And there's three responses we normally have to, to shame. When we hear something that we don't match up to or we think there's an expectation that we're not meeting, normally when we're, we're acting that way, we can move away. That means we can say, I'm walking out of here, I'm never coming back. I'm, I'm, I'm cutting off all ties. That's moving away. Another shame shield is moving toward. You say, well, they want me to do all this. I'm feeling bad. I don't want to feel bad, so I'm going to do this people-pleasing thing. I'm going to move toward. I'm, I'm just going to do all these things to say to do it, and you begrudgingly do it. And the third one is you move against. You get out. You make a Facebook post. You, you start texting. You start making calls. You get angry, and you pour that anger and that shame and that guilt on other people because of the shame and anger and guilt that you feel. And I want to let you know something. None of those will help you take your next step. All of those will lead you into a spiral that will harm your spiritual journeys. Every single one of them. If you move away, it's going to make it harder to reenter. And as people see you out in the community and ask you, where have you been? You're going to have to tell a bigger lie each time about why you've been away. The only way to make it through this thing is to embrace this uncomfortableness where God has you right now. And have true discussions to help work through that pain. And we want to give you space for that. Not to debate with you, but to listen, to try to understand, and to love on you. And to walk beside you and wherever you're at in that process. If you need that, you can come talk to, to, to myself. You can schedule some time with myself. You can schedule some time with Jeremy. You can schedule some time with JP. And you can schedule some time with Ian. We want to we talk with you and walk through this process. We want to see you grow and be whole in who Christ made you to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you. Staring into your, your image is the most loving and beautiful thing that we can gaze upon. But sometimes it's the most intimidating And fearful thing that we do. And sometimes it leads us to, to, to doubt that you love us. 
because we, we just don't see how we match all the time. But Father, in your word, you, you made us in your likeness and your image. Not because of anything we've done, just because of the value and worth you saw in us. In your word, Father, Paul says that we delighted not only to share the gospel with you, but to share our lives. You, you wanted to come be in community with us by sending your son to live as a frail human being. Have us embrace community in the same way, to share with people not only the good news of the gospel, but also our lives, to, to dwell with them, to do community with them. If there's anybody here, Father, that's been trusting in themselves, trying to work hard enough to gain your favor, let them know they can give up now. That you've already been won through the, the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ. That we have a relationship with you. Father, if there's anybody in here whose next step is baptism or rooted, whatever it is, Father, use your Holy Spirit in your body to love them into that next step. Even if that causes us to be uncomfortable. So, Father, we thank you. We love you. We lift you up in your darling son Jesus' name and the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.